Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Discerninghearts.com presents Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors. I'm your host, Chris McGregor, and I am delighted to be joined once again by Anthony Stefano, who is the best-selling author of over 25 Christian books for adults and children. His books have been published in 18 different countries and 12 different languages and have been endorsed by the National Day of Prayer Committee, as well as many prominent religious leaders and mainstream celebrities. He has also been the host of two television series on the Eternal Word Television Network, as well as a frequent guest on that network. With Anthony Stefano, we go inside the pages of 30 Days to Your New Life, a guide to transforming yourself from head to soul, published by Sophia Institute Press. Anthony, thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. I love 30 Days to Your New Life, A Guide to Transforming Yourself from Head to Soul. What a phenomenal work. It, it's so necessary today. It's really the best of a self-help book, but there was always something missing in the that somehow became popular. I, I have to guess that this one is going to become even better known and more well-received than countless others out there. Just thank you so much. Well, thank you. And yeah, you're hitting the nail right on the head. There's so many people out there who are struggling with unhappiness, misery, loneliness, and, and confusion. You know, we're living in very confusing times, as you know. And that's why I've always been a very big advocate of the personal development industry. I'm for anybody who can help alleviate suffering, you know, and, and get people to somehow get off their keisters and change their lives for the better. But there's a serious limitation with the self-help programs that I've taken, and I've taken quite a few of them. They work for a while, but I find that the results are temporary. When life really hits you with a two-by-four, and we know that, that that happens to everybody, you know, these self-help programs tend to break down. And the reason is that they focus too much on self-help and not enough on God's help. That's the big trap of the self-help industry. You could use personal development principles to become very successful in the world, but you could still end up being miserable. Just, you know, look at all these Hollywood movie stars out there who uh, spin out of control with drugs and kill themselves despite their success. If you've got your priorities screwed up, you're never going to be at peace no matter how much success uh, you have. I'll say one other thing. Interestingly, it works in the opposite direction too with people who are overly spiritual. Sometimes people who are overly spiritual think that when they have a big problem, all they have to do is pray to God and he's going to miraculously, you know, wave a wand and solve all their problems. God can do that if he wants, but he doesn't usually do that. There's that old saying, God helps those who help themselves. And the personal development movement has discovered some very useful tools for helping ourselves, you know, things involving goal setting and momentum, you know, and, and what my book tries to do is what you just said. I try to combine the best of both these worlds. I wanted to take a book that utilized the very best self-help principles but balanced and corrected them with orthodox, traditional Christian principles. And my hope is that the results people get won't just be temporary, but will be long-lasting and even permanent. I'm so glad you brought up that aspect of those who can be very spiritual, very devout, and yet they don't take the time to look at what might be causing, whether it's anxiety, the unhappiness, whatever that is in their life, and try to remedy that. 
but also with God. But I mean, to look at that, and the reason I point that out in support where you're saying is St. Ignatius of Loyola has you do that, even in the exercises or in his guidance that all the great saints say, take a look, make sure you're getting sleep, make sure you, you have your perspectives ordered correctly, all those kind of things that can help you in that spiritual journey and ultimately to that road to true happiness. That's absolutely right. You know, it's it's always, you know, that Latin saying, ora et labora, prayer and work, both of them together. You can't de-emphasize any of them. You have to work very hard. Life is very, very tough. This is a tough place. You know, we Christians, we're very, we're very hopeful. We believe in heaven. We believe in grace. We believe that we have a power to have a peace that transcends all understanding. But we also understand, we're very realistic. We understand that this life is always going to be a valley of tears and a place of sorrow. And it's always going to be like that until we get to heaven. That's just the world we live in. And so you've got to be able to fight your way through the storms. And you've got to be able to have the tools to deal with those things. God just didn't invent angels. We're not just angels. We're human beings. We have bodies and souls and they're connected together. And so we have to filter everything through our bodies. And that means we have to work with our bodies. It's not just a completely spiritual world that we're dealing with. We have to work through our psychology, through our physiology. Those are all things we have to work on in order to be the best people that we can be. So yes, it's a, it's a, it's a combination. It's a balancing act. And we have to do everything. Again, I highly recommend 30 Days to Your New Life, A Guide to Transforming Yourself from Head to Soul. Because Anthony, when I got the book, I, I did read it through, and I was so convicted, as I, I want to say, I felt I needed to really do a deeper dive with it, and I just passed through week two. And that perspective, that paradigm has already begun to help me alter how I look at things, how I look at not only at myself, but the world around me, but also God. And so that's why I'm so enthusiastic about it, because I'm looking forward now, to, and I know what's coming up in weeks three and four, but now to take the time to do it, to set aside that one day, giving it its space to do its work. That's what I think is so important. Well, well thank you. You know, And you're, you're doing it right, because this is a 30-day program, and it's one chapter per day. I tell people at the beginning, don't if you're a fast reader, you know, don't be tempted to skip ahead. And there's a reason. You know, I wanted to take advantage of one of the most important tools I speak about in the book, which is the power of momentum. You know, when people are in a rut, any kind of rut, they have a tendency to stay that way. You know, this is called the law of inertia from physics, and it states an object at rest tends to stay at rest. And this is true for in any area of life, especially for people who are experiencing different kinds of funks. You know, when you're overweight and out of shape, you're essentially at rest. You want to stay at rest. You don't want to go to the gym and exercise or lift weights. When your finances are in shambles and you owe everybody money, you're at rest and you tend to stay at rest. You don't want to make the hard choices necessary to, to correct the situation. You don't want to cut your expenses. Instead, what, what do you want to do? You want to watch TV or have a drink or eat or gamble or play video games or, or go on vacation or have sex or you know, do anything to distract yourself from your problems. And people usually get paralyzed when they look at their problems until it gets to a point where they are so big that, that things are just going to explode. And that's a terrible way to live. There's a better way to change your life. And it's by harnessing this incredible power of momentum. 
when an object at rest starts to move, it moves slowly at first. It doesn't go full speed instantaneously. It accelerates. It builds momentum. And so the key to taking effective, long-lasting action is to harness this power. If you want to get out of a funk, if you want to lose weight, if you want to change your finances, if you want to improve your relationships and your family, you start with small actions, even the tiniest ones. But the trick is to do them consistently over a period of days and weeks, and then you're bound, you're bound to accelerate. You know? I and mean, we all know this is true. The first trip to the gym is the hardest. It's torture to go. The second trip's a little bit easier. The third is easier still. By the fourth time, you're raring to go, and nothing can stop you from going, even if, you're, if it's a blizzard outside. We've got to apply that principle to every area of our life. We have to, and I'll say one, and it's very spiritually grounded too, because you got to remember when God saved the world, how did he do it? He became a little baby in a humble stable. He started small. So if God uses the strategy of starting small, then why shouldn't we try to imitate God and start small too? I agree 100%. And the thing is, this book isn't for somebody who is necessarily completely down in the dumps, though I think it absolutely is a remedy for that situation or, or is experiencing a degree of anxiety that you just want to figure out what's going on. Now, there are those who will have certain things that are affected because of health or whatever that issue might be. But in this book, even with those challenges, it helps each day to feel like you're doing something. And by doing that something and then ultimately uniting that with God's grace, there's extraordinary things, even in the little things, become so beneficial to our overall health, both mind, body, and soul. Yes. And, and you know, and I, and I and thank you for saying that. And I wrote this book for, for people. I, I envision people in all kinds of situations. There might be people who are, as you said, really, really suffering. They're really at their wit's end. They've tried everything. Everything's falling apart for them in their life. There may be some people listening right now. Everything's falling apart. And they're wondering, look, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good uh, Catholic, uh, I believe. Why are things falling apart? Well, because you're not doing everything you need to be doing. You're not doing the basics. And then there are maybe people out there who are doing well, but they're still not feeling 100% fulfilled. And why is that? And maybe because there's something in their spiritual life that's missing. And that's why there's a, there's a what you're, you said you're in week two, you're coming up on the hardest two weeks of this program. Okay, we get into some really hard uh, difficult but joyful things in week two and three of this program. So I hope you got you, you know you're gonna put your seatbelts on for that. But I absolutely do. It's it, for everyone at every point in your life. I think can benefit from this. Yeah, absolutely. And that's I think where I was at. I mean, I am would say someone who gets up every morning and is preparing my day with a cup of coffee, some scripture, the liturgy of the hours, and I will go to mass and. All those types of spiritual practices that are so important in my daily life as part of my rule. But I needed to have a tune-up. I'm not trying to be cute with that, but it's just like with any car. I needed to go back to the basics. And this 30 days, like an in-home retreat, at least it was for me, in that I had to go back to the very, very beginning and take a look at every aspect of what's going on. And as you said, it just helps you 
to tune up, at least if you're in that state. If you think that you're just fine, try this. You're going to find, oh, I didn't even realize that was an issue. You can always go to the next level. There's always the whole point of life, the whole point of suffering, why God allowed suffering is so that we expand. And why? Why? So that when we're in heaven, we will have more of a capacity to experience the joy of union with God. The level of joy that we have in heaven is going to be directly proportional to the capacity we have for joy. There's that famous example that St. Therese used in her autobiography of a soul. She said, how can people who are different levels of sanctity be happy in heaven? You know, everyone is perfectly happy in heaven, correct? So how could there be different levels of sanctity? And her sister showed her three glasses. One was a little sort of shot glass, and it was filled to the brim with water. The second was a slightly bigger cup, and that was filled to the brim with water. And the third cup was a big giant glass vase, and that was full to the brim with water. And her sister told St. Therese, look, all three of these glasses are filled to capacity. They're all happy, but the bigger glass has much more capacity. And that's just like us in heaven. The more capacity we have, the bigger we can become, the bigger glasses or vases we could become in heaven to hold more of God's joy. And that expansion of ourselves, that's what takes place on earth. That's the reason for all the tough things we have to go to. So we expand and grow and grow so that in heaven we could have the most possible joy. You're living and breathing right now. God wants you to expand and grow. We'll return to Inside the Pages in just a moment. Hi, this is Chris McGregor of Discerning Hearts. Can you please help support this vital ministry? Discerning Hearts is a 100% listener-supported Catholic apostolate. Now through the end of August, please prayerfully consider making a sacrificial gift to help us raise $30,000 to fund truly life-changing Catholic programming and prayer. The financial contributions of listeners like you enables us to continue this important ministry. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Your donations are fully tax-deductible. As an independent, non-for-profit lay organization that is not affiliated financially with any diocese, our apostolate is fully listener-supported. Again, between now and the end of August, please visit discerninghearts.com to make your donation. Thank you, and God bless you from all of us at Discerning Hearts. A Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen. We now return to Inside the Pages. We're talking with Anthony Stefano on 30 Days to Your New Life, a guide to transforming yourself from head to soul. The setup for the book helps guide you or lead you into that launch into momentum. It is, I think that first week, Get Back to Basics, I think is the, a perfect entry point because once I did that, I thought, well, I'll try this. And then each day it was a little bit more and more and more, and I didn't want to put it down. 
that first week is essential, isn't it? It really is because you can read a book and be very inspired. You can listen to a speech and be very inspired. You can have a great, glorious victory in your life and you can become very excited and you could be on a high. But at some point, there's going to be a setback. There's going to be suffering. All hell is going to come down on you. There's oh, just that happens to everybody. At some point, there's a 100% chance that you're going to be knocked in the head by some kind of suffering. And when that happens, when you're knocked down, you have to start over again. You have to start with the basics in order to get that momentum back. And so everybody has setbacks in life. And I wanted this book to have a section in it that concentrated just on those very, very basic things you can do to get back up on the horse because it's going to happen to you too. And it's going to happen to me. Everybody gets depressed. Everybody, you said before, it's like a car getting a tune-up. Yes, it's also like a great piano. Every, even a Steinway, magnificent Steinway piano uh, needs to be tuned every once in a while. We all need tune-ups. Every great knife uh, chef is always sharpening his knives. So we always have to go through periods where we're sharpening our knives, getting tuned up. And that's what that whole first section of the book is. It's, it's devoted to basics. Basics like, you know, one of them we talked about was, was the harnessing the power of momentum. The other is simple one is you have to start cleaning up the messes in your life. You know, God is a God of order. From the very beginning of the Bible to the very end, we see him separating light from darkness and land from water. And, you know, we have to imitate him. And it doesn't matter how big your problems are. You've always got to start simple by making your bed in the morning, by cleaning your desk, by cleaning your computer screen, little by little, slow but steady. That's when your head will begin to clear and then you'll be able to deal and grapple with these bigger problems you have. But oh, always start small and clean up the messes. Make sure you're moving. You know, motion and emotion are very connected. People who live sedentary lives are unhappy people. There's the mind-body-spirit connection. We've got to take that into account. We've got to be moving every single day, 30, 60 minutes a day. And, and that's, going to like, that's going to be like taking off dark glasses and suddenly seeing a kaleidoscope of colors. It's invigorating. And when you start to move, you release endorphins and certain chemical changes take place in your body. It enables you to think clearly. Those are the kinds of things I think I discuss in the early part of the book. You know, they're all based on fundamental theological principles, but when you first read about them, they don't seem as if they're very religious, but they're very, very tied to key theological principles. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you were sounding like St. Benedict there for a minute, because that order, the stability having certain parts of the day that are given to, as you said, that work and creating balance around yourself. People don't realize in the holy rule even tells you when you need to go to the bathroom. It's one of those things that acknowledging that you are human and that there's a way to be able to help facilitate your human nature, your physicality, so that you can be the best that you can be. And I'm not talking about going out and going necessarily to the gym and becoming an Adonis in your physicality, but you just, that helps you to be able to get order. And that's, that's really key, isn't it? it? It really is. Motion and emotion are connected. That's the thing people have to understand. We're, we're, we're mind, body, spirit. You know, even the holiest of monks have got to get out into the sunshine and move around. Otherwise, their spirituality dries up. And as far as order is concerned, you know, cleanliness really is next to godliness. And, I mean, if you think about it, here's an example that most people don't even think about. 
when you read the Gospels, when you see the apostles going to the empty tomb, what do they find in the empty tomb? You know, they find the cloth that covered Jesus's face rolled up neatly in the corner. Now, that's a, that's a little detail that people don't usually think about. But what does it mean? It means that the very first thing Jesus Christ did when he rose from the dead was to tidy up. He folded his, his, his burial cloth neatly and put it on the side. Now, that's an amazing thing that that's the first thing that God would, that Jesus would do. And of course he would do that because Jesus is God and God is a God of order. So sometimes people say, oh, you know, making your bed or dressing neatly or cleaning your closet. Those things aren't important things. It's like putting, when you have big problems, they, they think that those things are like putting a Band-Aid on cancer and that you're really distracting yourself from handling the bigger problems in your life. That's nonsense. Everything is tied together. You make your bed in the morning, you dress neatly, you clean up your computer screen and your work area, you do those things, you try to implement some sort of a schedule in your life, and believe me, everything else will follow. Everything else will go much, much better. You do have a caveat in the book about those who will be reading or entering into this that may be confined to a hospital room, or they may not be able to do what may seem very overt in that physical preparedness or that searching or questing for order. What would you say to them? I would say that when you're in that kind of extreme position, you have to remember that that's God's will for you to be there and that there's still something you can do. And, and I compare it to the battery of a car. You know, all the different pieces of machinery on a car, they all move. They're all moving parts. The steering wheel, the wheels, all the parts of the engine. What's the one part of the, the car engine that doesn't move? The battery. And yet the battery is the thing that makes it possible for the whole car to get started and to run. That's exactly what a person is like in a hospital bed. They can't move, but they're like the battery of the world. If they're praying, if they're accepting their suffering, if they're trusting in God, then they are like Christ on the cross. Remember, Christ on the cross, he couldn't move either. He was nailed to that cross. He couldn't move a bit. And yet that was the position in which he saved the whole world. So if you've been put in that Christ-like position where you've been crucified so much that you can't even move, your prayers are more powerful than anyone else's prayers. And you've got to use, take advantage of that situation and use those prayers to help everyone around you. They may not know that you've helped them, but believe me, they're going to be the recipient of some powerful, powerful prayers. Well, on behalf of those who are in the church and are receiving that grace that flows from that, thank you for those who do enter into that and express how they're able to be able to respond and to do something, to take action. I guess that's what it is. It's taking action. It's a type of going in haste, isn't it? Just as Mary, as, as Peter, and so many. Uh, once you begin to open the store and say, come on in, then movement begins to happen, correct? Yes. And, you know, this whole area is so misunderstood. It's something that we, the Catholics, understand much, much better than our Protestant brethren. We understand about the redemptive power of suffering. The fact that suffering never has to be wasted, any kind of suffering, even suffering, tedious suffering, like being stuck in a traffic jam, okay? If you offer that suffering up, you, you, we can attach that suffering to the cross. We attach our suffering to the cross and then it becomes powerful. 
then it becomes redemptive. Then it could be used to help people in our family who are suffering or people who are sick or people on the other side of the world. We can always join our suffering to the suffering of Christ. That's called redemptive suffering. That's called being a part of the body of Christ. So there's so much wasted suffering out there. So many people who are suffering and all they're doing is complaining. They're not offering it up. They're not trusting in God. They're not using that suffering as a prayer. That prayer is the most powerful prayer in the world, except for the prayer of worthily receiving the Eucharist, the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. That, that prayer of redemptive suffering is more powerful than, than any other thing we, we can do in this life. Amen to that. You have to go through this first week, this basic week, to move into week two. As I said, I, I've read the whole book. I love it. I highly recommend it. And so much so that I went back and I took it day by day. And I'm just completing week two. Spirituality 101. But for those of us out there who think that we know and we've experienced everything, as you alluded to, Anthony, it's so rich. It's so deep. It's important to go back because you will get, if you open yourself up to it, even richer graces and understanding or maybe experience or whatever that might be if you take time. Even for those people who are committed Catholics, you know, I'm sure there are things that you're not doing that are simple and easy. You alluded to some things before. You start the day in a very good way. I mean, you do a lot. You liturgy the hours. That's tremendous. But I encourage people out there to put God first. And I mean in a very practical, concrete way. When you get up in the morning, as you're coming out of dreamland, when you're entering into the land of the living, offer up a quick prayer to God. God, thank you for giving me another day. Take you two seconds or say in our Father. Or in the church, of course, we have this beautiful morning offering. Let that be the first thought of your day. Don't think about your social media post and how many likes it got on Instagram. Don't think about the stressful meeting that you're going to have. Don't think about the bills that you have to pay. Don't think about the annoying things that give your first thought to God. Put God first and watch how God will put you first. That's a lot of things priests aren't doing, bishops aren't doing. Make the first thought of your day, give it to God. And it's a discipline because sometimes you forget. But try to do that every single day. Put God first, he'll put you first, I guarantee. And it's so easy that if you have your phone right next to your bed, which so many do, they're charging it. What if the kids, there's an emergency with the kids? What if I need to get message? What's happening with work? Whatever that might be that the first thing you do is grab that phone because the phone maybe is your alarm. And so you use it and you, you turn off that alarm. And the next thing you know, you're looking at the weather, you're looking at the news. And that initial moment, just as you said, has passed you by. If you're going to grab your phone, then there's plenty of apps out there or put it in your notes section. Put the morning offering, the beautiful morning offering that the church has where you unite your thoughts and prayers and every action of the day, you unite it uh, to all the masses that are being said and, and, and for the Pope and for the intentions of the church. Unite your day, your prayers, immediately the second you get up to the body of Christ and to God. If you're going to grab your phone, let that be the first thing you look at, not your Facebook. And then make your bed. Yes. <laughs> In other words, start the day with a win. Start the day with a win, even making your bed. It, it, and there are very famous videos on YouTube about this, some military mm -hmm. commander. It's important. Start your day with a win. 
You know, that's 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 big. You're starting your day on the right foot. Our time is beginning to come to an end. I, I hope I got people excited at least to go and explore the first two because you're going to be led into the next weeks, the third and fourth. How about a summation of what, can I call it a spoiler? I don't want to spoil it. But as you said, Dylan, I'm getting eager to enter into that third week. What can we expect to find in our experience of that? Well, you know, I don't have the book in front of me. The, I know that as we go further into the book, we get more and more into tougher subjects like, for instance, intense suffering. People are going through intense suffering or spiritual temptation. The fact that there's always gravity pulling us down. There's always evil trying to knock us down. I get more into the church and I talk about the, the fact that the, the, the mass is a time machine. People don't think of it as a time machine. The mass is, actually takes the crucifixion and brings the crucifixion into the present so that we are able to experience, you know, we're able to be present at the crucifixion every bit as much as Mary and the Apostle John were. And in doing that, you can now attach yourself to the power of the resurrection. People don't understand that a Catholic church is really a time portal and a time machine. I get into those kinds of things. Because, you know, by week three and week four, you really want to harness not just things like the power of momentum, but the power of grace. That's the thing that distinguishes this book from, you know, Tony Robbins and Jim Rohn and all those uh, terrific personal development people. It's because this book not only gives you the personal development tools you need, but you also harness the, the grace of the mass and the grace of the church. It's actually the best 30 days that you can give to yourself. I would think that this would be an excellent book for parish staffs to use as kind of a a retooling or a re-energizing of their commitment to go deeper. I think this is also for the individual, but it can also be used for so many different groups. Are you getting the idea Anthony, that I can't recommend this. I'd like to hire you to be my agent. That's how great you're <laughs> making my head swell so much right now. Uh, I've done a, a number of interviews for the book so far, but I haven't actually, not one interviewer has actually done the program. They've sort of skimmed through the book and they like it, but you're the first person who's actually taken these words seriously at the beginning of the book. And so I'm thrilled. I'm, gra- I'm tremendously honored and excited that uh, I'm talking to someone who's actually taking the program. So thanks. It's you. working. It's oh. working for me and it's challenging me. And so much so that I have bought a copy and I've given it to one of my kids. I hope um, the book is given to people as gifts, especially to people who are not so religious. I'm hoping that, that people give this as a gift to young people because I really wish, I'm not bragging, but I wish this everything in this book was built from suffering that I've gone through over my years. I wish somebody had given me a book like this when I was 15 or 20 years old. I wish we had more time. And the beauty is that people can rush out and get this book and experience it even more deeply. But in closing our conversation today, Anthony, any final thoughts? This, the whole book can be summed up from, a, from Psalm, a line from Psalm 27, which says, if the Lord does not build the house, the builders labor in vain. If you want to be happy and at peace, you have to take into account God's plan for you. He created you. He's in the future already. He knows what's going to make you happy. So you need to improve yourself, yes, but you need to let God start working on improving you from the inside out. Oh, excellent. Amen. Anthony Stefano. thank you so very much. 
Thank you so much for having me. With Anthony Stefano, we've gone inside the pages of 30 Days to Your New Life, a guide to transforming yourself from head to soul. To learn more about this book or to obtain a copy, go to sophiainstitute.com, the website for its publisher, Sophia Institute Press. Or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and or to download this conversation along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors.